Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and strength coach, founder of LiftForHope.org and StrengthGuild.com. Right on. And today, uh, Fortress isn't with us. I know a bunch of listeners were commenting on our Facebook listeners page that they wanted to hear how his competition you know, went or some of the details, and we'll have to get to that uh, next week. Uh, he's having some technical problems. I'm sure he'll rail against the Internet company next week because they were fiddling on his street and knocked out his Internet. So he's not on to be able to share any of his contest tales. But we do have um, Paul Klinger from Informed Choice. And uh, I invited Paul to be on the show. Oh, it's been several weeks ago. Uh, I actually bumped into uh, some booth um, workers when I was at the ISSN meeting uh, this past summer sports nutrition meeting and you know the more i looked at some of the materials the more interested i became and i thought this would be good for listeners to sort of um to you know to learn from paul about um uh doping product contamination you know his company that's related to testing products and things like that so uh paul if you can maybe just uh give a little bit of background about yourself to listeners Sure, sure. Yeah, Bob, yeah, my name is Paul Klinger. I work with, uh, I work for HFL Sports Science, and HFL Sports Science is a doping control lab. We're the world's largest doping control lab that screens, uh, supplements for banned substances in, in sport. Um, I've worked for Informed Choice and HFL for the last three and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I worked for, uh, Champion Nutrition for seven years. Um, so obviously, I'm sure you're aware of who Champion Nutrition is. We've developed, uh, sports supplements for, uh, the bodybuilding industry, as well as uh, many many team sports and endurance endurance athletes. And prior to that, I spent 17 years at uh, Schwinn Cycling and Fitness, uh, working as uh, um, their director for their aftermarket division and worked with a number of uh, professional uh, cyclists and uh, endurance athletes through through Schwinn. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and as far as with you know how I got involved with uh, with Informed Choice. Um, while I was a champion, um, you know, we, our, our market was the athlete. It was the team sport athlete. It was the triathlete, but it was also strength athletes, power lifters. Um, you know, and, you know, we were providing products to them. Well, around the early 2000s was when there was a lot of the issues with or concerns around, uh, banned substance contamination. And the sports authorities, uh, teams were getting a little bit more concerned about what their athletes were using. So, Working for a nutrition company, obviously, was a concern for us because, one, we wanted to make sure that we were giving our athletes uh, clean products, but we also wanted to make sure that they knew that our products were safe for, for them to use. Um, we knew of HFL Sports Science at the time and that they were a drug testing lab who was testing supplements. Um, they were the premier drug testing lab that was that was available at that time. And so we approached them and uh, basically asked them about establishing the informed choice certification program. So we had a way of um, putting out a product with a kite mark 
um, that we could show our customers at the consumer level that the products that they're using have been, um, you know, uh, certified, tested and certified to be banned substance-free. So when I left Champion, um, it was a natural progression for me to move over and work for uh, HSL Sports Science, managing their uh, certification program here in North America. So that's how I got involved with with Informed Choice. Okay. <clears throat> so you certify both companies and athletes, is that right? No, our, our certification is um, for supplement companies, the products that they're producing. We also work with raw material suppliers as okay. well as manufacturers. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because, you know, I, I was thinking about how this is important to athletes, and obviously it's, for example, like the NCAA has serious regulations, obviously, about various ergogenic aids. They even have rules on protein, you know, not being more than 30% of the calories in a beverage and that sort of thing. So right. working all those years for a company like Champion, I can see where where companies might need this. So do companies tend to come to you um, and then you charge them to test their products for these specific, you know, basically doping agents? Is that how that works? Yeah, I mean, you know, typically the companies companies come to us, and there's two ways that they could go. One, they can, you know, some companies will use us just as kind of an extension of their quality control, and they'll send us periodic batches um, that they want tested, and it might be just to test their own quality systems uh, to make sure that their cleaning uh, processes are adequate. Um, or some of them might be supplying specific batches to a team or uh, a sports body or to an athlete, and they require that batch to be tested before they before they'll use it. You know, there's a number of sponsored athletes out there, and they require that their that that the company that they're working with have their products tested through us. So that we have that program, and then we have the certification program, and that's where we do complete manufacturing audits, make sure that there's no risk of contamination within the manufacturing facility, but then we do ongoing testing. But the companies do come to us, and it is a service um, of testing that we do provide, and that enables them to use the logo on their product. Right, and so I'm presuming that you're testing for um, traditional doping agents like the World Anti-Doping Agency or IOC or different lists from different organizations, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, primarily it's the, the World Anti-Doping Agency prohibited substance list, but we also mm-hmm. cover the substances on the NFL list, the NCAA, Major League Baseball. You know, we pretty much cover all the, the prohibited substance lists that are, that are out there. Right, so you're specifically looking for basically uh, drugs, you know, in, in tiny amounts that could be uh, either contaminated or even wrongfully put in a product, right, so athletes don't test positive. That's basically the idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's low-level contamination that we're looking for, and even low-level contamination could cause a problem for an athlete. It's, it's, it's maybe not enough to, to be a health risk. It's not enough to have a performance-enhancing benefit, but there could be just enough of a contamination to cause that athlete to, to fail a drug test. So what we're screening for is extremely low low levels. And, and I think it's also important to clarify what a banned substance is because a lot of people think, Banned substance means illegal drugs, so a banned substance isn't going to be sold in a nutrition store. Banned substance in sport is what that sports body or that doping agency um, determines gives that athlete an unfair advantage in sport. So you might have a legal supplement like DHEA that's legal and available, you know, in most nutrition stores, but it's banned by sport. So what happens is you have manufacturers that might be making a DHEA product, um, in the same facility that they're making, you know, some other 
protein product or a multivitamin product, um, if they don't clean their equipment properly, if the, that material isn't handled properly in the facility, uh, there could be risk of cross-contamination. And so you might have a product that should be clean that comes out contaminated because because of those processes. So what we do is we work with the manufacturers to make sure that they have all the appropriate quality systems in place so they don't have that problem. So I guess that would lead to the question, how often do you see contaminated supplements from that sort of cross-contamination in the manufacturing process or what have you? Uh, well, the last, the last year we, I mean, we tested over 5,000 5, samples a year. And the last full year we had one positive screening uh, of a sample, um, and it was at, at extremely low levels. But, um, you know, we had one positive screening from existing customers New customers that come to us, it's about a 10 to 11 percent contamination rate. And then when that happens, you know, obviously usually it's a, it's a surprise to them because they, you know, they didn't think they would have an issue. But what we do then is we work and we determine where the source of the contamination came from, and then implement strategies and SOPs um, to put in place so they can correct the problem. So, you know, your your one in five thousand chance of finding a positive screening when you're going through our program, which is pretty good. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it's not so much that you're a watchdog group that if something, if a company has something that may be contaminated, you announce it to the world. Instead, you work with the company as a client and you fix their problem if there is one, right? That, that's, that's correct. I mean, and, and you know, the, the issue of contamination, this is, this is new to, to the industry. I mean, typically they've been you know, testing for allergens and, you know, heavy metals and things like that. Um, but the, the, the world of anti-doping and banned substance testing is, is completely new. And so um, so for a lot of the manufacturers, um, you know, their cleaning practices or their, you know, um, you know, how they're handling raw materials in their facility may not be adequate to eliminate the risk of, you know, contamination within the facility. So for a lot of them, when they first come in, it's a bit of a surprise um, but they're very happy, you know, to work with us and that we try to work as a partner. Um, you know, our, our goal is to get more people, you know, going through this process so, you know, there's, you know, less issues of contaminated supplements making it into the market. And, you know, it's just kind of a self, an industry self-regulating um, kind of a process. Okay, right. Well, so what, what are the, what's the range? Can you, like, how many different substances are you looking for? And maybe what are some of the major categories Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the major categories: it's steroids, it's stimulants, it's uh, masking agents, uh, drugs of abuse. Um, you know that sort of thing. Um, you know, we test for over 147 different prohibited substances, and those are as part of our our core screen. And that's basically a subset of the WADA list and the, and the various lists. And then from time to time, um, we'll do a monitoring program where we'll add an additional hundred. Uh, substances that we'll look for, um, but that list was determined based on the history of our testing. We've tested almost 30,000 samples to date, um, plus the intelligence sharing that we have with the doping control community, just to, you know, from, you know, what, um, you know, the drugs are on the market to, you know, what are the doping agencies finding within their screening. So, I mean, there's a lot of intelligence sharing that helps us kind of narrow down you know, the, the substances that we think, you know, would be a risk of making its way into a supplement. Okay, yeah. Uh, of your client base, um, 
what types of companies are there? I mean, is this mostly? I'm, I mean, this is obviously a sports nutrition focus. Uh, but mm-hmm. are the and you said you mentioned working for Champion Nutrition in the past. So are these yeah. mostly? Do you get a lot of representation from the like uh, the bodybuilding and, and sort of you know muscle type industry, or is this uh, a, a very broad range of endurance sport companies and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty much been sports nutrition, you know, uh, focused companies, you know, companies, you know, um, you know, like Maple Nutrition and Advocare, um, you know, EAS has just uh, registered their product line with us, and we're going to start testing with them in, in November. Um, it's primarily been companies like that, but um, there have been uh, companies, you know, like like New Skin, um, Usana, you know, a number of companies that have. Um, they're not bodybuilding products. They're not strength-related products. They're more um, general health and wellness products um, that that they're you know marketing. But a lot of athletes are, are using those. I think the, the assumption is that athletes only use strength-building products. But there's a lot of athletes who will use a lot of other supplements. You know, uh, general health, general health supplements that um, that they also should be concerned about, or they also or the athletes might be concerned about. So. So we're seeing um, kind of a broad scope of comp- companies um, having their, their products tested. I mean, we've even tested water. We tested bottled water um, because there was athletes that were concerned that the water they were drinking could have been contaminated. So, wow. um, so I mean, it kind of runs the spectrum, you know, from water to, to strength products. Right. <clears throat> I got a question. Um, you know, one, one thing I think we've all heard about is, you know, companies putting out a batch of of a new product that that is tainted or, or contaminated on purpose, um, what would cause the what what would stop I guess these companies from from getting a certification from you and then running a batch that isn't quite certified? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that that's actually a, a very good question. Um, I mean, as far as the, the testing, because we do ongoing testing, it's not a they send in the batch, they get the certification, and they get to carry the logo, and that's the end of it. Um, we do ongoing testing, so we'll do batch testing where they have to submit the batches in for testing, as well as we do uh, blind sample testing, where we literally go out, purchase that product at retail, and then send it send it in for testing. Okay. So, so we're so so it's it's not just a one test and they're done. It's it's ongoing testing. So if they're if they're going to do something like that, um, they're going to get caught or eventually get caught. Gotcha. My question, uh, another one, what what would you say is the most often that comes up now? I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, it seems like these new peptides and stuff that you're seeing a lot of companies get caught with that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you what do you guys see most often as, as a contaminant? Um, well, the, the DHEA is probably one of the most common, um, and I think that one tends to come from cross-contamination within the manufacturing facilities. Um, like I said, that is a popular legal supplement, so um, a lot of manufacturers make it, so we do see contamination in those facilities. Interesting, Dion is another one. Um, that one tends to be, I mean, sometimes you'll get that from um, from the manufacturing uh, side of things, but mostly that comes from raw materials. You have a number of uh, botanicals and herbals out there where it's a naturally occurring compound within that material, or... Um, the, the country where it came from had very poor quality control standards, and they had cross contamination. So, um, interesting beyond DHEA, um, you know, methylethionine is, is another one uh, that we're starting to see more of um, from a contamination issue. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those are, you know, those are the, the primary ones we see most often. Uh, epidrin, 
is another one that we'll see within stimulants. Yeah, so the people who, like when we think about consumers or, or listeners, if they, I mean, they may be thinking, I am not an NCAA athlete. I'm not an you know IOC athlete. Who cares, mm-hmm. right? But even for them, I would think that some people might have an interest just because they don't want something in their bodies that they didn't pay for, right, or some some strange contaminant. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for one, the certification separates the companies that are going through this process. I mean, it basically takes these companies that has this extension of their quality control. You can trust what they're they're doing. But there's a lot of people, you know, that just don't want to put anything. I mean, there are people that buy organic because they don't want to put pesticides in their system. You know, these are the same people that yeah. don't want even low levels of contamination in their system. But, you know, the, the big group has been a lot of the, the parents who have young athletes that are just getting started and they're just being introduced um, two supplements for the first time, and they've heard everything, you know, all the ne- negativity about the industry and the press, and so they just assume everything is bad. And so this is a way that, um, it, again, that parents would feel comfortable that, you know, using products that go through our program, you know, it's products that are safer for their kids to use. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, I think dietary supplements for um, teenagers, for example, or high school athletes, that's very controversial anyway because they're technically minors, right. right? So at least in this sense, you're saying yes. So at least you don't have to worry about illegal substances or something else showing up in your, you know, child. They might be a big kid, but, you know, child nonetheless, minor, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, I mean, that way if the parents want to wrestle with whether or not creatine disturbs them or not, at least it's it's only about the creatine and it's not about creatine contaminated with uh, – Methyl testosterone or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Now I understand that methyl test is not a big problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did mention several androgens, you know, so androgens and and stimulants seem to be a, a culprit. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Um, we're going to take a, a brief break here for a couple of messages. When we come back, we're going to talk about the topic of the day. And, Paul, we obviously we'd like to invite you to in on this conversation. This becomes sort of a free-for-all here. And we're just going to talk about um, doping in sport, you know, um, drug detection, where it's going. Uh, you know, should we even test for drugs? I've actually heard journalists talk about, you know, maybe we should just let pro athletes do their thing. And so we'll touch on some of these controversial issues in, uh, when we come back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, 
We are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All righty, we're back. Um, this is uh, Phil Stevens and Lonnie Lowry, and we're on the air with Paul Klinger from Informed Choice, um, which is an organization that does uh, testing for contamination and products for different, um, you know, doping substances, not always illegal drugs, as uh, Paul was educating us, but, you know, anything that your organization might not allow. So that's going to be our topic for the day, which is essentially doping in sport. So... Phil, let me ask you a question, put you on the spot here first, but uh, I've I've been listening to things over the past couple of years from journalists in uh, major publications uh, who actually suggest, you know, why don't we just let athletes use drugs at an elite level? I mean, it's a personal choice, you know, uh, why are we treating this stuff like it's crack cocaine and, you know, you know, and I, I think what's interesting about it is they're they're questioning the very core ethics of this, right? We've yeah. always assumed this is bad. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, do you think we should, you know, there's an argument to be made for like pro athletes just to go ahead and use, you know, their um their androgens or stimulants or or whatever? Well, I, the, the the one big thing I come back in like professional team sports is, you know, these guys aren't. It's, it's not a hobby anymore. Um. And a lot of these guys are making multi-million dollars a year. And, you know, if, if I sat there as – if I take the owner's perspective, mm-hmm. if I'm paying you $5 million a year to play 16 games on a grass field, if you're not doing everything you can to win me the Lombardi Trophy, then you're, you're, you're shorting me. <laughs> you know, so, I mean – that's, you know, taking the owner's perspective there. I mean, it's almost like, you know, yeah, I think they should be able to. And it's their own choice. They, most of those people are doing it anyways um, in some form. So, I mean, they're adults. If, if you want to take that, if, if, if you're going to go and think you want to be the best, you know, NFL linebacker in the world, there's choices you got to make. And that's the same thing. I mean, I think that's where I think powerlifting has it right. You have federations that are – you know, classified as raw and drug-free or drug-free and equipped, and, and then there's others that are just open. Yeah. Open. Yeah. yeah. And that's so it's your choice of where you want to compete. Um, and you are, you know, you can compete in the open and be drug-free, but you you know and you can't bitch that somebody else is. Yeah. You know, uh, you I mean, want, it's you know, kind of your choice. You're, you're talking about owners. When you think about spectators, too, I think some of the, the journalists that I was reading, you know, in just like sports pages, they were arguing that uh, on similar lines that the spectators who underwrite these sports, yeah. they want to see high level performance. Yes. Uh, and I'll tell you what really got me thinking about it. I might have even mentioned this on the air a few months ago, but. Uh, we're, uh, there was something in the news. What was the? Uh, there's been a couple of different Major League Baseball pitchers who were, um, you know, had a finger pointed at them for doping. Uh, one like was using growth hormone as part of rehab. I mean, but one of them they were saying he was using um, something to continue to perform well into his 40s. Yeah. And my son actually said, who's 16, he said, Dad, why is that bad? I mean, very naively, you know, like this is guy. That's his life. And he's in his 40s, and he wants to continue doing what he's doing. 
And I said, well, hun, some things have, you know, worse side effects than others. I guess, you know, this is, I said, it's sort of a gray area. You know, this is a, these are difficult things. I think mostly, you know, what he's doing, uh, if it's illegal, that's obviously a problem, you know, but, you know, I said that, you know, that's a good question. If it's a sport that he loves and he's, and he's, and he's doing something to continue to perform. Now, I think what this comes down to, and I bet Paul will agree though, is really sports have to have rules. Mm-hmm. And if the rules have a list of agents that are no-nos, then if you want to play the sport, then you have to follow yeah. the rules, right? Yeah. What would you say to that, Paul? No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, because without rules, you know, where, where does it end? You know, what, what can they use? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I've talked with, um, you know, a number of professional athletes. Uh, one of them is a friend of mine who's a gold medal um, athlete. And he, you know, he, he spoke to me of his frustration. He's, he's a clean athlete. He has all of his products tested through us. Um, but he, he expressed his frustration. He said, look, I'm doing everything right. I don't want to, I would never take anything like this. You know, for one, he gets tested 17 times a year. Um, but two, it's a health issue. You know, he looks at the long-term effects of, of, of these things. And so for a number of these athletes, it's not just a performance thing, it's a health thing. And so if you have the people that you're competing against that are taking, you know, um, you know these these banned substances. Well, I guess they wouldn't be banned if they didn't ban them. <laughs> but if they're taking these these additional substances, they're all they're going to be at a disadvantage. And although he's a gold medal athlete, he feels that um, you know this you know this is something that he's constantly battling against, knowing that he's competing against guys that that are cheating. So I think you know you have a little bit of that. I think the other thing is one level of sport will influence another level of sport. You know, professional sports, if it's legal for them, you know, then that will influence the collegiate athlete because they're going to want to take, you know, those same uh, substances to enhance their performance to get, you know, if they're good enough to be drafted. Um, And then they'll influence the high school kid who wants to get the scholarship. And it just, you know, I think it's the trickle-down effect that, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned with. I mean, like you said, you're, you're grown adults. You should make a decision of what you put in your body. Um, but I think you have to have rules. I think there has to be, you know, some sort of um, boundaries that they all have to, to play within. Right. Yeah, I agree. And that's what makes it a tough topic. I mean, because, you know, and the, like Lonnie was touching on, I think, you know, the people are always going to see, want to see bigger and stronger and faster. And it's like, how much, how much bigger and stronger and faster can we get? Like me and Rob talked about a few episodes ago. It's like, if you really look at it, Limit strength hasn't moved much in 50 years. Yeah, people just aren't that much stronger. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so. Um, Although, but it, yeah, it, that it makes look it look like they are. You know, often. Oh yeah. It looks like they are, but like you guys were saying in that episode, right? This, this is gear, uh, you know, uh, accessory equipment and things like that. That's yeah, really- and you know, nowadays with the internet, you know that people are strong. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago, you wouldn't have. Know- I wouldn't have known if some guy in Ohio was really strong. You know, because I'm here in Kansas. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Now he's coming out of the woodwork on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and that is tough. And then you got the whole um, uh, the debate, like he just said, the trickle-down effect. You know, there's no reason. I, I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't think it should be allowed in the Olympics. You know, I think I think America gets shorted a lot because we're about the only country that tests our own athletes as well as the, the Olympics, you know, and Olympic Committee testing them. So our, our guys get tested 17 times more than than any other country but yeah i'll I'll tell you i I think uh paul was bringing up two interesting points that we used to talk about in like philosophy of sport type classes or ethics of sport one is coercion you know where 
if you look around, everybody else starts kicking your butt. You know, you're going to feel some level of coercion, I would think, to step up and, and play your A game as well. You know what I mean by by partaking in, in whatever, you know, substance is, is, is causing it. Uh, now, again, that's got two sides, like you were saying, Phil. It's so gray because somebody could say, listen, it's your choice not to do it, so don't covet what you've chosen not to do, you know. I mean, or like you said, interestingly, I think it's very interesting that in strength sports like bodybuilding or powerlifting, they often get fingers pointed at him like, well, those are the only sports that have drug leagues. It's like, well, if you really think about the ethics and not the legalities of it, mm-hmm. in some ways that's a better approach, isn't it? You know, uh, because then you don't have people uh, feeling coerced. You know, like if you're in a natural league, you should have at least some um, sense of confidence that the, the testing procedures they're doing, and hopefully it's urine testing and it's not just polygraph. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. But hopefully, you know, you've got some level of confidence that you're on a relatively uh, even playing field when it comes to pharmacy anyway. Yeah. Oh, and there's less of a chance that people even want to cheat because why? They can just go to the area where they don't have to. No, that's <laughs> right. You know what? And I've so. often said that for years. I've said, listen, the real cheaters are the guys who are going to show up in a natural competition and yeah. use something. That's just slimy. You yeah. know, oh, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm on a gram of testosterone and nanthate as a base, and I'm going to go a blow away a bunch of natural competitor, you know, bodybuilders. That's, that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, or powerlifting to be the same thing. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're going to show up and rep out with 600 in the squat when everybody else is struggling with 400. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where things go real bad. But I think the other thing that Paul was, um, and all of us were sort of touching on in a way is, equity issues too if you think about it there's not just coercion here because that can go both ways but there is an equity issue too because you could actually imagine athletes who they they may want to use something like let's say legal growth hormone or something as they age in their sport or whatever it is but some people don't have the money or the access to that you know what i mean so it becomes an equity issue in fact but we were talking about NCAA and, you know, their doping regulations, or at least I brought that up. One of the things with the whole protein thing is I was just railing against, you know, this rule that the NCAA approved, like weight gainers, for example, can't be more than 30% protein by their calorie content. And I would have actually athletic directors ask me to do some quick calculations to make sure even the collegiate series products didn't pass that percentage. And, of course, I was like, why what's wrong with protein and the more i dug into it the more i started to see the occasional argument that it's not just that it's supposedly damaging which it's not and i listeners know i you know i've done a lot of research on that but it's an equity thing that some programs can afford the pricier protein rich recovery products and others can't whereas carb drinks are more or less dirt cheap you know what i mean so they're less of an equity issue so I think when it comes to certain supplements or certain drugs, I think there's also that equity, uh, you know, ethical dilemma, if you will, that if you allow some people to use the drugs in your league, what about the guys who can't get them? <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah. it's, I mean, seriously. Uh, and it, so it opens up that can of worms because, of course, you're not going to have an organization start this, I don't know, have um, growth hormone and androgen handout programs <laughs> or something to get everybody on a certain amount. Or, you know, like you were saying, Paul, things tend to escalate, too. So if yeah. you give a certain amount, 
then somebody's going to use more and more and more, and eventually health would become an issue, you know. Yep, so. yep. if a little is good, more must be better. Yep. And you know what, and I think in a, in a, in a lot of strength sports, and I think maybe other sports as well, with, with androgens, that's basically true. More is better as far as effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you see a lot of athletes with that mentality because, you know, when you're talking trickle-down, the high-level guys are on more stuff than others. I and mean, we had an episode about polypharmacy a couple of months ago. And, you know, it's escalating doses and uh, variety, you know, some of you know, the new thing, whether it's like um, SARM drugs or, you know, any of these new, you know, all growth factors and stuff like that. So in, in number and in amount, things just seem to escalate if there's not some kind of rule. Uh, so, uh, but my question for you, Paul, and Phil, you can ring in on this too, is what about, like, um, I just mentioned strength sports. Do you think strength sports are unfairly sort of in the public's eye or the media's eye when it comes to doping? Or, or do you think they really are bigger offenders, like bodybuilders, powerlifters? Well, I, 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 yeah, well, I think that, um, I mean, the strength, you know, like the strength athletes, the strength uh, sports definitely are under more of a watchful eye just because of the appearance. I think a lot of look, people look at the appearance of an athlete and he's got a lot of muscles, um, you know, he must be using, you know, something illegal where you look at, you know, maybe endurance athletes, um, cyclists, and although cycling doesn't have a very good reputation for doping, um, but you look at some athletes where, you know, they don't have a lot of muscle, um, and so they just assume, you know, that it isn't, they don't have an issue with performance and enhancing uh, drug use. And so I do think that they tend to be um, looked at a little bit differently. I think, um, you know, especially within, you know, the NFL when you had Congress, um, you know, bringing... Uh, the various parties from the NFL and, and Major League Baseball into the hearing. I think that brought a lot of attention to it. So, you know, I think just people assume that, um, you know, the, it's the strength products that are the ones that have the contamination issues. So I think that's um, that's probably true. Yeah. What do you think? No, do, you, do you think I, that's a, I, is I that fair? I think, or, I think that it's fair. No, is it fair? No, but what's, what is fair? But I think, you know, I mean, we're I'm, – you and I are judged every day just because we're bigger than most average people. Actually, you know what, Phil? I mean, I'm not nearly as big as you are, but when I was dieting for my competition, there was actually a student and was sort of uh, whispering in the hallway, there's no way he's natural because I was very lean and I was my forearms were very vascular. Well, first of all, I'm a middle-aged guy. Uh, you know, all middle-aged guys get like dad forearms, okay? So back off. <laughs> but beyond that, yes, I was very lean. I was dieting very, very hard. But, you know, I feel like, and again, it didn't, you know, it didn't go anywhere. It was just a little bit of, you know, sort of um, uh, grumblings. But it's sort of like what Paul was saying and what you're saying is because of this visual thing, all of a sudden, you know, and that's like profiling. You know, yeah. that's not even yeah. really legal. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's that visual thing that, that sets people off. Well, and I think it's not only that. I mean, I think it's just any – now we have a greater divide between the average person and anybody that's doing anything uh, in sports than ever before. And, yeah. you know, the average person, whenever they see anybody that's that's achieving more than them, wants to think they're cheating. You know, they see somebody bigger, stronger, faster than well, he he's got to be on drugs. You know, it's their excuse not to be. It active. is an easy excuse. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, so. And, and, you know, it's, it's true, too. The public, the public is going to love to point fingers 
as yeah. something that's dramatic and that kind of thing. But like we've said on episodes in the past, alcohol or something like that, something that everybody partakes in, or you know how the, the you know the more and more lenient marijuana laws, if it's something that everybody can do, it, it gets less uh, criticism. You know, because so few people want veiny forearms or, or to weigh 270 pounds like, you know, fill the oak tree, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is, is the marketing. I mean, if you look at the, the sports supplement marketing, if you're, um, you know, especially if you're trying to market a hard, what they, you call a hardcore supplement. Sometimes it's yeah. just branch chain amino acids, beta alanine, and creatine. But <laughs> they'll, they'll put a guy on there, you know, that looks like he's about to burst out of his skin, you know, um, you know, you know, it's, I think you have the marketing that plays a role in that too. Um, people are just trying to make their products look like, you know, it's this hardcore next next greatest thing, and and I think people will look at that imagery and then just make that make that next leap to thinking, well, maybe there's something in there that there shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, just a few episodes ago, we talked about misrepresentation in strength sports too, where you'll see a, and you know, this is true across a lot of sports, of course that you'll see a pro athlete hold up a bottle and smile. And even though it might not be explicitly said, it's usually implied at the very least that the supplement is what brought this guy to his pinnacle of performance. You know, and of course that's hogwash. Like you're saying, Paul, it's, there's nothing hardcore <laughs> you know, about branched chain amino acids and some creatine, but then they put a little radioactive symbol on the bottle or, I don't yeah. know, syringe, sell it in a syringe. <laughs> Shape. And call it yeah. testable 250. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. I don't know. And, and, and unfortunately, I think for guys like Paul, that almost makes that, those sorts of things desirable. Like when I talk about sports supplements in class, sometimes I'll talk about how one of the advertising techniques is actually, you know, barely legal or, you know, like Paul saying, super hardcore, underground. And it's and it's funny, but to the average person, I think they see terms like that. They're like, "Why would I want that if it's barely legal or if it's underground?" It's like, but that you know, you don't understand. To an athlete, that suggests potency, yeah. you know, and that's why you see all these companies go overboard, like yeah, selling their little uh, liquids in syringe shapes. Or uh, uh, I consulted for a company once several years ago, and they were literally reformulating their lozenges at the time you know when andro was being sold they were reformulating their androstene diol and dione into uh pills that were purposely shaped like little triangles or you know they're like what do what do the what's dianabol look like what does anadrol look like let's make them look like that and i'm like guys this is just more misrepresentation you know and you're leading people down the primrose path like almost like this is what you want you know so i don't know it's just kind of funny yeah, and then you have companies, you know, we've we have just started working with uh, Muscle Farm. They registered, you know, uh, five five products with us. And, you know, this is comp- a company that definitely, you know, um, has edgy marketing. Um, you know, the products that they're putting out are definitely targeted towards, you know, the strength community. But at the same time, they also have taken the steps, having their products certified by Informed Choice. They also have a couple of theirs. Uh, certified by another uh, certification body. But, um, you know, this is a company that, you know, is, is putting it out there, but they're also saying, look, you know, if you're an athlete, you can also be certain that, you know, our products are safer to use. So, you know, it's not, you know, one way or the other way. If there's companies that are, are doing both and I think are doing a good job with that. Right. Well, I don't want to pull things back to before our break, but, Paul, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What if somebody were to say, you're paid by these clients, 
of course you're going to eventually show that you know they have good products. Otherwise, you'd lose their you know um, uh, patronage. What would you say to that? Well, I mean, our, the testing that we're providing, I mean, this is, this is it's very specialized. You know, we're testing down to, I mean, just to give you an idea of what we're testing down to, it's the, it's the equivalent of a teaspoon of the substance dissolved in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And so the type of testing that we do is very specialized. It does um, take a lot more expertise and experience. You have to have your ISO 17 or 25 accredited accreditation to make sure that, you know, that what we're finding is what we're finding or, uh, we can be certain that if we didn't find something that it wasn't there, we always, you know, like to say anybody can find nothing. Um, you know, you have to be certain that if, if you don't find something, then it, it really isn't there. And so, you know, this type of uh, testing, you know, isn't isn't cheap. You know, um, so companies do have to uh, do have to pay for that. Um, but I mean, as far as you know, the companies, you know, we work with over 140 companies worldwide, and we have 12 of them that are actually certified within the, the informed choice program. Most of them, no one even knows that they're doing this testing uh, through us. And so this is more of a, of a quality control. We're, we're really trying to be more of a, a service, you know, to the industry. And, of course, I mean, companies that, that are going through it, I feel comfortable talking about them because I know that they what their quality systems look like. I know what they're trying to do. Um, and so, you know, I feel comfortable talking about them. So, I mean, yes, it is a service that they're, they're paying for the testing, but that's all they're paying for. They're only paying for the testing. Right, right. It's not like the business has to be illegitimate because you're getting paid. Right. No, you know, it's not, it's not, well, you have to pay for the testing, but then you also have to pay this extra amount to carry the seal, and then you have to pay this extra amount, you know, to have, you know, this, other service performed, it's strictly, you know, running those tests, it's the lab time, and that's, that's all that the companies are paying for. Right. Well, and, and, I, and I can see the business side of that, right, because, I, I mean, being an academic, there would be people who would say, listen, any testing facility should be purely financially independent from what they're testing. But, of course, then that right. begs the question, who's paying for the testing? Yeah. You know, where, yeah. do, where, where do you... And, and again, it also assumes that there's something illegitimate because you're, you know, you're being paid. And like you're saying, this is more of a quality assurance type of thing, not necessarily, you know, a watchdog kind of program. Gotcha. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just uh, we're going to wrap things up here. I think we're just about out of time. But um, can you point people, Paul, to uh, your website and you know, if, if there's companies that are interested in in you know getting their products tested or you know anything along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. The website is um, informed-choice.org. Um, so if you make sure the dash is in between the informed or choice, because I think otherwise you'll go to some funeral home site or something like that. Oh. Um, but it's informed-choice.org. And on there, um, there's a lot of information about the program. Um, we have a frequently asked questions section that gives a lot more uh, detail about, you know, testing, our testing, uh, drug, uh, uh, anti-doping in general. Um, we also have a list of all the companies that are registered with us. There's search functions in there so you can see um, what products have been tested, what batch numbers um, have been tested, um, as well as, you know, there's information as far as how, how a company can become registered into the Informed Choice Program. And, of course, um, if anybody's interested, they, we have a contact section where they can get a hold of us there. Awesome. Okay. Well, I wanted to thank you for being on, Paul. I appreciate it. Ah, well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot.
All right. Well, until next week, everybody, we'll get Fortress on. Maybe we'll just do a gym talk episode. There you so, go. Let so, him talk about his lifts. So he can tell us, yeah. I mean, he had some nice lifts, real nice yeah, lifts. He and he, he was really proud of his deadlift. He really brought that up. So we'll yeah. talk about that next week, everybody. That'll work. Thanks a lot, everybody. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Okay, uh, moving on to our other announcements. We're going to do a fall contest regarding quotes. What we want you to do is go to our Iron Radio listeners page on Facebook and give us some of your favorite quotes. Uh, and we'll pick our favorite. Uh, I'd love to add to our repertoire of uh, quotes like this. And you'll win something cool. We've still got some uh, mugs and other Iron Radio paraphernalia floating around here. And I'm happy to send you one. Uh, I think we'll run this contest probably until Thanksgiving. So uh, get online, get on Facebook, Iron Radio listeners, and make a quote. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.